With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, so I'm just going to pretend that this didn't happen, and uh, we're 357 oh. in. And I'm going to start the podcast again, but without Will disappearing, just as I introduce him this time. Um, so, welcome, and indeed welcome to the Blood and Mud Rugby podcast, the podcast that thinks it's it's far past time that lad baby fella just gets buried alive by sausage rolls, because there's there's no other way to stop him. We've got to make it stop somehow, and I, I can't think of any other way. Uh, I am, as ever, Josh, and you've probably guessed... From the fact that it's me talking to you right now and not Lee, uh, he's a bit under the weather this week, so there'll be far less songs than usual, um, unless either of our guests fancies giving us a little song. Um, anybody, any takers, have a nice sure. sing song? No, I will, for, I will for, the, for the first time make it clear that Lee has already set the bar with songs when he did his song about dimes. And it's too high. This is the thing. Too, why do you think I, I almost never, you know, join in with his songs? That, that man has set the bar so high um that we're all just you know stuck in his shadow forever and those voices you were hearing of course are uh friends of the pod you may remember them from pods passing uh from the scottish rugby podcast and from how five rfc mr johnny mcginty how are you doing johnny hello nice to see you always a pleasure i'm from squidge rugby uh squidge rugby world cup retrospective podcast uh rugby pass rugby pass plus uh, long eaten RFC. I haven't missed any out, if I will. Uh, it is the man, the myth, Willow. And how's it going? No, you've missed nothing out other than the fact that there is currently a Hoover going around the Squidward of the office behind me. So you <laughs> might want to introduce, introduce that as well. Oh, I remember once I was. I had to do an back when I still had to go into the office. I went and did a. I had to do an interview with someone in America at like eight thirty on a sort of Tuesday evening. And like I wasn't, and it was in America, so I wasn't paying to go. I wasn't going home and then paying for a forty-five minute transatlantic phone call that I'd then have to expense on my fourteen grand a year. So I was like, I'll just, I'll stay in the office until eight thirty. And never, obviously, the cleaners turned up at about eight, and and just started hoovering just around. Like there was a whole other office, and they literally started next to me. And I was, and they was, I was on the phone, and they were just stood next to me and just started hoovering. I was just like. Can you, can you not see the, this thing in my hand? 
do you not think <laughs> I think I'm just having phone calls here for fun and games? No, no, no. They they had a job to do, and they had a system, and they were all kind of slightly scary, vaguely sort of Eastern European gangstery looking fellas. So I just kind of looked at them and then were like, you know what? I'll pretend I can't. I'll pretend I can hear it. I can't. It's fine. You two, um, you two have both just been blacklisted from the Scottish Rugby Podcast forever, by the way, <laughs> because because Craig is a professional vacuum salesman and he goes <laughs> fucking mental if you call it a Hoover, yeah. unless it's an actual Hoover, because Hoover is a brand name. You can't say Hoover in, you can't say Hoover around Craig unless you're talking about an actual fucking Hoover, and he gets really upset. Oh, I can top that. I had a mate who uh, I used to work with who went to do. Uh, go and work for Dyson in their office up in uh, Malmesbury near here. And literally for like the first two months in the job, he just kept calling it a Hoover. And it was just like, no, you can't. Do not call do not call the thing a Hoover in front of James Dyson, please, for the love of God. <laughs> See, that's the, the sort of thing I would do on purpose. I was going to say, and now I do it on purpose because fuck that guy. You, you've, given, you've given us such great ideas there, Johnny. You can see me really like niftily manoeuvring the mute button here. Uh, whenever a male may not be about to speak, um, <laughs> it's, it's a talent in itself. It's just, you're going to have to sort of like tactically mute yourself as and when. Uh, uh, although, you know, maybe a little background hoovering would add some sort of ambience. Maybe so. Podcast, you know. A lot of people who've heard me, heard me on podcasts before are just grateful for the fact that I'm using the mute button for once. I was going to say, anybody at all, just. I've I've never muted myself on this podcast, including many times where I've tried to mute myself but forgotten to mute myself, and then just ended up coughing on air like a horrendous lurgy filled bastard that I am. Anyway, um, I think we're we're probably in the part of December now where it's polite to ask if everyone's excited for Christmas. So are we excited for Christmas over here, or are we a bit scroogey? I am today because sorry, well, uh, no, you do, Johnny. Where I could just have party food for dinner every night. So uh, today I had like two thirds of a bag of chili cheese bites for dinner, and that's going to be like that's my plan now <laughs> until after Christmas is to just go through every supermarket, get all of their party food. That'll keep me going. Party food's the best thing about Christmas. So now I'm excited. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, I, I mean, I like like, level with you. I always did. I'm, I'm on a you similar trajectory of just like I don't feel yet excited for Christmas, but I'm now kind of beige trajectory. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not yet excited for Christmas, but I am at the bit where I'm starting to eat a lot more shit. So like mm. that, I, uh, that I think is the true measure of how close we are to December 25th. Yeah, I've all I'm already sort of like I'm in the period of kind of like already thinking ahead to the fact that I probably need to kind of like go on a bit of a health kick in January to compensate for what I'm going to do in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so, it's you know, weird. It's, like on ahead. I'm I'm quite strict about um, the old my fitness pal most of the time, but for some reason, come around about the sixth or seventh of December, it just stops working. So I give up <laughs> till after Christmas. I mean, sometimes you've just got to, you know, lean into the season. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the only way to get through heard... of the stuff we have to do. Well, exactly. I mean, how else do you? Support? I don't understand how people who like clean eat do Christmas. Cause it's like if you're not like sort of shoving like some sort of chocolate into your face every seven and a half minutes like where is the where is the joy in this season it's not worth it. it it's not worth it i also have the issue of like as you say like people as soon as like new year comes around suddenly go on this mad like health kick and do like dry january and all the rest of it right Oof. my birthday's on january the third so it's just kind of like <laughs> well i'm 
I don't really want, like, I've got an excuse not to go on a health kick and not go to the gym and everything. And so those two days make all the difference. That as soon as I'm off it, like, there's no coming back. There's no, there's yeah, no Reese, point doing anything healthy in January. Yeah, no, January's right. Like Reese is exactly the same. Whenever we're like, oh, yeah, you know, let's just, just try and start January off, you know, good. And then she's, and her birthday's on the 4th. She's like, after my birthday, though, yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> so we get an and extra. That's stuff. it. Once January's off to a bad start, that's, you can't do the rest of the year then. <laughs> we'll try next year. <laughs> and then before you, before you know it, it's 2024 and you're making <laughs> the same problem, breaking the same promises to yourself. Yeah. Uh, ah, who cares? Um, Yes, so uh, you've already heard my thoughts on relentless self-promotion and aggrandizement masquerading as Christmas charity singles. But yeah, other than that, I would say I am I'm feeling quite festive. You know, I'll, I'll continue to do so right up until the moment that I have to start doing Christmas shit. Like, like now it's like just food I had to do the mini's Christmas party yesterday because <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, coach the the youngest minis, the five hmm. and six year olds, and we did a, a big Christmas party for everyone. Um, from like primary one, two up to primary seven, so like 150 kids between five and 11 um, for a Christmas party, which for someone who works in a fucking primary school Monday to Friday was an ideal way to spend my Sunday, by the way. Love it. It's a lot of screaming. I was going to say, do you get some sort of hazard pay for that? Because I feel like you should. I wish. <laughs> what I did get was a, was a really good story, though, about the little one of the, the oh, yes, in my age group. Point. We'll come to that um, later. I'll save that. I'll save that for you. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Harley Worthy asks, Will, are you still recovering from your near David Scholar experience? <laughs> it, it was it was pretty horrific having to watch back 2007 David Scholar for this week's <laughs> podcast. But the thing is, right, the thing, the good thing about that, and I, I did bring this up, is seeing David Scholar put in like an nearing all-time performance on our podcast of shit fly-off performances. And considering we covered 1987 before this, that's saying a lot, right? But that happening means we have Lionel Boxes to look forward to. And that is going to be something else on this podcast. Indeed, because you guys are just kicking off. Is it tomorrow or today? Uh, Today. Yeah, Yeah, today. Head to head head with us. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I've just come on here so I can self promo it, you know, yeah, Mad Bane yeah, style. Yeah, um, yeah you're no, doing 2007, aren't you? Which is yes, which I'm genuinely very interested about because we we started off with 2011, watching back every single game of that tournament, and that was great because we'd watch mm. that. That was the first World Cup we watched as fans, whatever. Then we decided to get back oh, to 1987. You were young, which, oh God, I'm old. Um, <laughs> you were on that, Josh. Um, I was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, there was a definite difference in uh, rugby in 2011 and rugby in, two, in 1987. I'll tell you that for nothing. Indeed, um, I, indeed. I, I trust my customary third place slot is still available because, if memory serves, the 2007 third place game wasn't terrible and yeah, didn't involve Wales, so I don't get to be angry. To be quite, like, that's kind of the famous third place playoff of like of history. So I feel like that's actually quite a coveted spot for once, Josh. So I think yeah. I think you're actually in the money. You're glad like you've done your time of watching yeah. shit third place <laughs> playoff the Wales. You know. Paid my penance with Wales Australia in both 2011 <laughs> and 1987. Yeah. So yeah, give me a yeah. good game. And it's really look, upsetting, by the way, sitting here both Josh and I as like people who were full fucking adults during the 2011 yeah, World Cup. Here are you going, oh yeah, it was the first World Cup that we watched as fans. 
Fuck off. It's, I know. It's like I try. I try not to dwell on it, but it's like I was literally in. I was doing a postgraduate fucking qualification in that year because that was the first year I pretended to be a journalist with something to do with rugby. But I like, was in year ten in school. <laughs> yes, thank you, like, Will. Yes, thank you, Will. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, we are part of the Sports Social Podcast Network, as you probably know. Uh, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, indeed, wherever good po- podcasts are sold. Uh, we will also, you no doubt know that if you want to listen to the full, uncondensed and unad-supported version of the podcast, you can support us on patreon.com slash blood and mud. No, I'm not doing the slash thing. I simply won't. Um, for just £2 a month you can enter the Ali Brew Lounge, get full length pods, bonus episodes, all sorts of fun shit, or if you're a very, very good person, you can up your subscription to a fiver a month uh, head to the VIP area and me and Lee will attempt to come up with a very not serious player bio for you uh, none of those this week, because we kind of feel like we've kind of, we've plateaued at that Anybody, everyone that wants us to make up a stupid fucking player bio about us now has done it so, you know, if you want to, well, stragglers are always welcome, but we're not expecting any more. Um, you can follow the pod on Twitter at Blood and Mud, which is Lee, or at Josh Gardner, which is me. Uh, how can they keep abreast of your general activities, gentlemen? Sure, Will. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> I should, probably should um, address I... one of you then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that was like extremely British, that wasn't it? Both ways. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you. you, no, no, after you. <laughs> yeah, you promote yourself. I've just, I've just spoken about my. It's the audio equivalent of when you both try to move out of each other's way when you sort of bump into each other <laughs> on the street. It was lovely. Um, so I'm. Uh, I've forgotten again. I think I'm at will underscore owen nine on all assorted social medias. I've I've re- had this thing recently where I've realised, like, a couple more people from, like, the Squidge platform started following me on Instagram, so I've had to, like, talk a little bit more about rugby on there, um, <laughs> rather than, like, suddenly just being completely different, like, not being a rugby nerd anymore. So now I can just talk about Warren Gatland on any social media platform. You don't think I'm just infuriated at the amount of shows you go to. Yeah, I know, you're, a, a, like, an Olympic-level gig-goer, and I am I, not jealous of it's that's that's the one thing that people will get out of my Instagram page is that I have I have a, not crippling I have a healthy you can decide gig addiction. Oh, there's absolutely nothing unhealthy about that. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's just just me and Johnny again, sort of looking back into the rearview yeah. mirror and going like, oh, when was the last time I went to? A yeah, gig pretty much. Yeah. Do you remember where there was no children <laughs> and you could go to go go to gigs whenever you wanted? Oh yes. Uh, Gary Jones says, Christ, I had a one-year-old son by the 2011 World Cup. I'm feeling ancient now. <laughs> yes. Somebody who feels older than we do. Brilliant. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, Shall we begin the podcast as we always do then? Uh, Where can we sure. find you, Johnny? Oh, yeah. Sorry, Johnny. <laughs> I, I was just going to very politely let that go. Um, if you want to get the, the pod, we are on uh, at Scott Rugby Pod on Twitter. Yeah, you are. Um, if you want to get me, I'm at uh, Johnny Forms, G-O-N-N-Y Forms. I have to make myself undiscoverable because friend of the pod, Gav Thomas, when I became a teacher, said, you can't keep saying Pretty Patel attends immigration raids for sexual gratification on Twitter if you're <laughs> going to become a teacher. Um, so I had, I had to make myself undiscoverable. A choice has and to I be hit, made there, yeah. Pretty much, yeah, so I had to hide my name and everything. <laughs> Therein lies the advantage of being in my line of work where it's like, you know, I can basically say anything as long as I don't like, you know, say anything horrendous about anybody in the guitar industry i'm broadly fine like 
<laughs> Although uh, I assume I'm broadly fine. Let's test. Well, I've been, <laughs> I've been testing that out over the last few years. I haven't got sacked yet, so we'll see how it goes. There was one person who, who complained to you to get you sacked, though. Oh, yes, there was a person who, uh, that was when I said uh, something about trans women being women. Um, you know, radical things like that. And then, uh, yeah, the person DM'd uh, the, the guitar.com Twitter, basically calling for me to be sacked. And so I just went on there and responded and said, no, you're all right. And then <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I once had somebody at in Rugby Pass Plus asking if they're still going to employ me because I said I got vaccinated. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But now I'm at a point where like, my employer is my brother, who you both know. So like, I can chat as much shit about him as I possibly want. So... Uh, also, it's, it's, it's going to be a real. You're going to have to really push the boat out to get your own brother to sack you. Like, <laughs> what is? Your... What can I say that would like really cancel me on this part? Something really horrible about Alwyn Jones. Yeah, or be mean about Girls Aloud. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't have like a strong feeling either way about Girls Aloud as Robbie does, but just so long as I'm, I'm not like in some kind of like elitist Girls Aloud hatred group, I think I'm uncancelled. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you could just say that Lego's shit. I'll also probably do it. Don't, though. don't say that. You could. Yeah, I mean, you could. Oh, I'm not sure why you'd say it. I'm not sure if you, the words could come out of your mouth, but you know, like. Um, but yes, uh, a player spotted as I, I, was, I was very nearly kind of just cutting Johnny's little <laughs> attempt of self promotion right off there without even realizing it. Uh, we start this podcast as we do uh, every week with. A player spotted this week from uh, Johnny Ball via the Patreon messaging service. A regular correspondent, I must say. He's always good. That's the thing. If you live in certain cities, Johnny's Johnny's in Belfast. You know, if you're in Bath, if you're in like Warwick, it's just you just it's Cardiff as well. It's just Leamington like, Spa. Leamington Spa, man. Oof, rugby player catnip that place. Um, but yes, yeah, so he's uh, he's indeed in Belfast. And he says hello, Lee and Josh, and sort of. Um, I have a player spotted from Big Tesco just on the outskirts of Belfast. Already, I'm invested in this because I assumed that all, like the minimum threshold for professional players and coaches is like Sainsbury's minimum. <laughs> so like one of Big Tesco, I'm already invested. Uh, anyway, Johnny continues. At lunchtime, I was queuing up for the basket self-checkout with my wife when I saw Geordie Murphy dander past, having just got a full trolley of shopping. That is such a rugby player thing, isn't it? Doing your big, weekly, weekly big shop on a Monday afternoon at lunchtime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he had many bags for life, which is good for the environment and bad for providing the mundane detail this podcast requires. I disagree. It's good to know that George is the sort of man that takes single-use plastic seriously, I'd say. Um, I agree with that. Yeah, I've done again. Anyway, um, Johnny continues. We did get to see him lifting up and examining the tiny three-foot-ish real Christmas trees sitting in planting troughs in the doorway. They look like toys compared to his giant frame. Like all players, he's much bigger up close than he appears on the pitch. The skin-tight T-shirt probably helped. In a hopefully unrelated manner, Matt and my wife suggested that I get her a ticket to the La Rochelle game at precisely this moment. Yeah, I'm <laughs> she's only human, mate. Um, as we left the shop, he came to a screeching halt to let us cross the zebra crossing in front of him, which was more dead on than I expected. Spotless BMW X3, in case you were wondering. I must be honest, a BMW X3 is a very mundane car for a pro athlete. It's not Finn Russell and his Maseratis, is it? Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, man. I suppose if you're doing big shop, and then potentially yeah. even chucking a Christmas tree in there, you're going to want to take something with a boot. 
but still, yeah. Jordan. Yeah, Finn just, Finn just used the Aston to nip down to Beans for some macaroni pies the other week. Exactly. <laughs> he's, he's not going to get his shopping in there. <laughs> what's he going to? I mean, what's he going to do now that he's got to get a car seat in there? That's what I want to know. Can you? Can you? Can, does the back of the back of an Aston Martin have ICFX? Probably not. <laughs> I'm going to go with no. Uh, Maserati do a very nice SUV though. I bet he's got they one do, of those. That is, that's very true, actually. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, but yeah, thank you for that, Johnny. A, a, a suitably mundane one. Uh, that's great. In, in that's all good. the right ways. Yeah. And again, it. like I, whenever I think of Jordi Murphy, I now think of the fact that Spain aren't in the World Cup means he's not going to go and qualify for them, which I am gutted about because that looked like a thing at one point. But I, it is massively alleviated by knowing that he uses bags for life, so it's all worth. Yeah, it. exactly. And he's a yeah. Tesco guy. He's not going to. He's not going to spend the extra money just to go to Sainsbury's just because it's slightly more middle class. I do think Jordy's right, though. I would have quite liked some details about what was in his bags for life. I know. I mean, you're going to expect a lot of just chicken. Yeah, you know? fridge readers for these. <laughs> um, speaking of player spotted then, Johnny, do you want to give us your uh, your little mini's Christmas party anecdote where one of your minis thought that he was going to spot a very famous player? <laughs> yep. and I felt, I felt so bad for them. Um, so we had this party <laughs> yesterday and we done like the party games and stuff. And everyone who, all the coaches and and everyone who is hosting the, the party and stuff are doing the whole, oh, and there's a very special guest coming who's going to hand out all our party bags at the end of the party and, like, hyping it up and, like, every opportunity, oh, we'll get our very special guest to give you all your presents. And one of my kids came up to me and went, I think I know who the very special guest is. So I went, oh, oh do you? And, like, dead in the eye, looked at me completely straight-faced and went, think it's going to be Stuart Hogg. Oh no. Genuinely, genuinely. I think it's it's not beyond the realms, you know. No, no, to be fair, he's he's been at the club before. Because we we were in in the same uh, division as West of Scotland for a while and his brother um, coaches and plays there. So he did used to come if we had Wests, he used to come and watch. Um, so I can see kind of where they got it from, but also (laughs) the only time I've ever seen a child look heartbroken to see Santa. (laughs) <laughs> when, when Santa walked in, oh, and they were just like, "Oh, I thought it was Stuart Hogg." I was like, "Oh, mate, oh, mate." Got at least stopped off halfway at Geordie Murphy, you know. Set <laughs> the policy back to back for life. You could have at least given Santa a top knot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I've seen very little posting on Instagram from Santa recently, saying, no, "Can you just saying... concentrate on my present delivery rather than yeah, uh, my appearance?" Stop looking at my teeth. All right. <laughs> Oh, that is brilliant! That is just—I I felt oh, so bad. The optimism of youth, man. But yeah, that's the Stuart. But also, what thing. child is not excited to see Santa? Come on, <laughs> exactly. It's like, do you want Stuart Hogg or do you want you the guy that you believe gives you all your presents? You know, <laughs> and a chance, a chance to get in with him before the big day. You know, I'd rather have Scotland's top try scorer. Not gonna lie, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why. The magic of Christmas is wasted on you, Will. <laughs> I've just realised anyway. that the hoggy shorts have gone missing. Oh, I've no. got the shorts that he was wearing when he scored Scotland's record try, and they're in this room somewhere, but I can't see where they are. Maybe how you managed to get hold of them? Because just stolen from the changing room. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we um, we waited for the players to come out at the end, and I had Matthew with me, um, and I was like lifting him up. And Hoggy came over and like opened up his bag and gave him the shorts. Oh. And then How often he's... do you use like 
having kids is like an excuse all the to fucking like, steal time. memorabilia <laughs> from rugby players all the time like every possible opportunity because you could use them to like push to the front and stuff as well oh yeah so he went to the front josh has got all this <laughs> awesome. I was just going to say, you know, I'm counting down the days until I can use this to sort of effectively kind of proxy meet my heroes. You know, yeah, it works. It's, it's the perfect alibi. It works every time. <laughs> should we do some news? I think we should do. There's some been news. a bit since you were last on. Me, there's been a bit. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So as we trailed last week in the podcast, uh, Eddie Jones has now been sacked. Um, in case you didn't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Since then, there's been a lot, hasn't there? <laughs> Where it's, to start? Yeah, I mean, probably start with, yeah, probably start with the whole revelations that he was such a horrible cunt to Max Malins that he reduced him to a sort of tearful wreck during the Six Nations, um, which is kind of awful. And the fact that he wasn't sacked on the spot for that level of gross misconduct says a lot about kind of how much. Unions really care about their players. Yeah, because like, like, if you wanted to get rid of them, I mean, that is that? gross misconduct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, why are you paying them two million quid when you could just go? Surely, there are enough anecdotes there of horrendous things that he has done to people that, like, you could you could basically breeze through formal warnings all the way straight to yeah. sackable offence. Surely. But it's yeah, I think I saw I saw something um, this afternoon saying that Max Malins was like saying like he actually should they should have kept him, which he feels like the most unlikely person after all of that to have to to be saying that. But again, it's a conflicting thing of like Eddie Jones, famously brilliant coach, but also dickhead. Like yeah. neither of those two things are news. I was going to say it shouldn't be news to anybody at the RFU that Eddie Jones is a horrible bastard because that's kind of his stock in trade. But it's, it's fascinating, as you say, that, like, Malins has kind of come out and defended him. And obviously, like, there's been talk that that incident caused the players to sort of basically lose faith in him. But then both Ellis Gengino and Farrell have come out and been like, no, nah, that's bollocks. And it, I think it just shows the sort of horrible position that professional players are in, that, you know, Malins can... Being have that experience with a coach and still sort of feel, you know, either you know genuinely or to feel obliged to for the sake of his career, to be like you don't want to be the guy that fucking slates the last coach because he was horrible to you. So you yeah, just kind of especially when the new end. one might be Richard Cockrell. <laughs> well, yes, that is the other funny part. Um, yeah. Because he's still not been replaced, of course, which is very funny. Because I mean, at least Wales didn't sack Wayne Pivak until Gatlin was fucking in the door. Like, but the RFU have done some classic, almost literal, ready, fire, aim shit with this. And yeah, we've <laughs> technically right now, if England had to play a game tomorrow, it would be Richard Cockrell in charge, and that is wow, <laughs> the concept. What's great about yeah. this is without Lee here. You have two Welsh fans and a Scottish fan talking about Eddie Jones' <laughs> sacking. And we're just going, this is a great time, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it is, yeah. As, but yeah, just Richard Cockrell, man. How funny. How funny. That will be massively entertaining. <laughs> as Johnny Ball says, peace and love. Indeed, we all remember what Martin <laughs> yeah. Castro Giovanni said. <laughs> just doesn't like cunts. 
She doesn't like cunts. And it's a preference. And it's a preference. Apparently so. Um, yes, but they so they they're stuck with Richard Cockrell until such a time as they can pry Steve Borthwick, who is having an almost like his level of sort of not engaging with anybody that t- asks him about the England job now. Is starting to feel like like it's sort of becoming like performance art almost, <laughs> because like everybody knows that he's got, you know, he the job is his if they can manage to get him and both and Kevin Sinfield out of their contract at Leicester, but like his staunch refusal to even engage with the fact that like those negotiations are happening is it's remarkable. I mean, you could just be like, yeah, things are going on, but until then, I'm fully focused on Leicester. It's like, no, I don't know anything about it. I'm just Leicester, Leicester, <laughs> next week. Uh, there's it, there's yeah. a great, great point in his post-match interview after the Ospreys game yesterday, where the kind of, it was Ross Harris just kind of said, like, look, I'm not going to ask you uh, whether you've got the job or not, but, you know, are you thinking about that? It's like in the back of your mind. And Steve Borthwick's response was only a tiny bit short of, wait, was Eddie Jones sacked? No <laughs> one told me. Hang on. That's a... His agent's basically been doing the whole thing behind his back. He's going to surprise him on Christmas morning with a little present. <laughs> just says, You're the... And it's, it's just an England polo. Yeah, it's, yeah. I was going to say he's going to do S- that. I think what he on the leap of What, what do you can... think you might need that for, Steve? <laughs> if they can ban Randy Erasmus from social media, they can ban Steve Borfitt from looking at it. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be hard. He doesn't strike me as a social media guy. No. But yeah, Leicester want two million quid. <laughs> Apparently, to release both Borthwick and Kevin Sinfield from their contract, which is astronomical, obviously, but that is exactly the sort of sum that a financially fucked professional English rugby club should be asking for to lose their title-winning head coach and assistant coach mid-season. And that figure um, is going like, by a minute. Yeah. They made such a huge deal about the fact that they want Borthwick. <laughs> like, why would you just go, eh, two million quid? Why the fuck not? Yeah, the climb down now is what that you you know every day you get closer and closer to the Six Nations and a prospect of a Richard Cockrell Six Nations, and you know the apparently the RFU thought two hundred k should be more than enough, which shows once again that English rugby's <laughs> higher ups do not really meet with reality very often. Um, but yeah, meanwhile. Gregor Townsend just sits in the background quietly chuckling to himself despite, <laughs> despite both coaches that got canned last week having won more than he ever it's, has in there. But how has that sit me, John? It has bemused me since <laughs> basically midway through the Autumn series. As, as soon as, like, I, I mean, everybody kind of figured that Pivak was getting fired at some point. But as soon as, like, Pivak and Eddie Jones being a thing happened... I was literally sitting there going, how is Gregor Townsend going to be the only British coach that gets out of this autumn with his job? Because he because he brought Finn Russell in after two weeks and Finn Russell <laughs> nearly beat the All Blacks and then beat Argentina. Like, yeah. the only reason he wasn't there from the start is because of Gregor fucking Townsend. Yeah, so... A massive, humiliating climb down. It's the only... I mean, maybe unlike Pivak and Jones, you know, he demonstrated that he has... You know the flexibility to humiliatingly climb down on something that he said <laughs> if it's for the best, and maybe that maybe that was enough for the SRU. You know? <laughs> like, well, look, even it's his dignity, he'll sacrifice for this job. You know, so 
It's Eddie Jones's one big mistake in his master plan was not dropping Owen Farrell at one point and bringing him back in. So it's just like, oh yeah, this is what we're missing out on. Actually, you say that those games that we lost it was just because we didn't have Farrell, mate. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's. I mean, you can't deny that he's dropped everybody else at some point. So why Even not? George Ford. Why not? Exactly. Why not drop Owen Farrell? Like, just for a laugh. I'd do it for a laugh. It worked for Tooney, obviously. So it yeah, give Andy Farrell a laugh more than anything. <laughs> yeah, we'll give Andy Farrell a big laugh. To be fair, there's nothing he likes more than his son being sad. So you know, it's <laughs> uh, also an Eddie Jones. Um, already, he's, I mean, the guy is the guy's P forty five is barely fucking cold off the copier, and various people are like, "Oh yeah, we'll have a bit of him." Um, did they really not put a non-compete clause in when they sacked him? Because that that's is the remarkable that apparently there is no non-compete up until the at very least just put him on gardening leave until his contract is up at the end of the World Cup so that he can't come back and bite you in the fucking ass which it is what Australia are desperate to make happen yeah yeah it says so much about the RFU it's not like a case of Oh yeah, we just don't think you fit in with what we want anymore. They genuinely think like he's surplus surplus to requirements as international yeah. coaching. Like yeah. things like, oh yeah, if someone else gets you, then that's fine. And shame on them. It's like, no, <laughs> they are knocking <laughs> you the fuck out of the World Cup if they do. Yeah, he's going to go to Australia. He's going to effectively, you know, puppet master everybody that's currently there while being a consultant. And they're going to knock England out of the World Cup, and it'll be. <laughs> Alice Sullivan says, uh, "Even I have a fucking non-compete clause in my contract. <laughs> Me too. Like, <laughs> I, I couldn't get another job in my industry for six months. So, and for somehow being the fucking head coach of the biggest fucking richest rugby union in the world is not something that they consider. A, there might be a need for some sort of gardening leave slash non-compete. Mad shit. Um, this is like this is the distilled essence of the RFU." In, in, the, in the last like seven days, it's been fucking wild. Like for a start, the fact that they're like a like elected club board model that they use makes them think that Leicester are going to just hand over their coaching staff for two hundred grand. Wild, like yeah. I assume, I, I assume that they went well. I mean, Leicester are one of our oldest clubs, so of course they'll just give us all their coaches if we don't want them to. Of course they fucking want you morons. And then to go, oh, it's fine. I'm sure Eddie won't Jones. <laughs> get Ben Youngs out of his contract for two hundred grand. They couldn't get Dan Cole out of his contract for two hundred grand. They honestly think they're going to get the head fucking coach and the guy who is basically the assistant head coach slash defence coach. Nah, it's mad. It's mad. And it's then to just go, I'm sure Eddie will just immediately go and fuck us by going to another country <laughs> and, and knocking us out the World Cup. That'll be fine, don't worry about it. It's just not the done thing. Again, the fact that Borthwick's essentially just denying all knowledge of this was Lesser Tigers are making it very clear they've been offered this money. It's very <laughs> clear that you're getting some kind of offer. It's, it's like the chairman of Leicester is basically running around in the background, sort of like basically like throwing comedy cash things in the air with like fucking dollar signs in his eyes and you know rightly so because that's what you know that's what they should do they're talking about the guy who won the league last year and they're going yeah we'll have him mid-season actually when you haven't had the best second you haven't had the best season like the best so and we've just got back onto some semblance of top after years of being a couple of years of being right in the shit and you want to take away the guy that has got us there uh, midway through a season where it's already looking like we're not quite as good as we were last season. 
yeah, that's going to cost infinity money if I'm fucking less. I, for every day that this goes on, I'm adding a hundred grand. Fuck it. Do you know what's double hilarious about that? Do you remember who was in charge of Leicester when they plummeted into the shit in the first place? I know. <laughs> there's, a, there's, such, there's so many like weird sort of like it's it's honestly like it's a glorious soap opera. Like from just from the moment that his that Eddie's PR man slated Bill Sweeney, it's just been a glory. It's like been like fucking Dallas or something. It's been amazing. Um. Not the not the jackals, obviously the soap opera. Um, although I don't, you know, maybe who died. There's a lot of stuff going on in the MLR at the moment. Maybe Dallas Jackals are equally as hat stand, but I doubt it. Somehow, it is the important news of the week. Is the rebrand of Rugby Night United <laughs> New York, isn't it? <laughs> I have to build that one up. It like, did. Give me the I mean, it is important. <laughs> Speaking of America, a lot of people are have been kind of like. Like matchmaking the USA and Eddie Jones as a sort of like long term project thing because you know obviously the USA rugby is in a right fucking state on the men's side at the moment and they've got a World Cup in eight years so they need somebody to make them half decent uh, in that time but I just I don't understand these people going oh yeah you know they, they'd let Eddie Jones oversee like an eight year project it's like what. How, part of Eddie Jones have you not been paying attention to? It's good for four years and not yeah. a minute longer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, fucked. The, the whole point in Eddie Jones is he's just obsessed with winning a World Cup. Like, that is the one thing he cares about. And he eight years won't cut it for him. Like, he's, what, 61 now as well? Like, I yeah. know he has no, no intentions of retiring, but I don't think he's wanting to do, like, an eight-year contract, especially when this team isn't in the World Cup next year. Um, yeah. Like, you at best want to give him a year and then see, right, can you build something out of this? But he would much rather, with all of his intel on England in their last three years of preparation, He's not go, use I, know, that. I know what's either, either what they're exactly what they're about to do, or they're going to bin all of that and that's going to go down the drain, right? So either I can use it against them or they won't use it at all. Like, it's a win-win scenario. Yeah, exactly. And basically, you know, we know he's a man that loves to have a lot of jobs. Like, yeah. I would I would tout myself to everyone in England's pool as the anti-England consultant. Um, and then anybody that might face, like potentially face him in the knockout stages, just, just do whatever you can to make sure that everyone in the World Cup that might play England knows exactly what they might well have coming because they probably haven't got time to change as much of it as they would need to it's after just, eight years. It's a question. What's the funniest job he could take? I want to say France. <laughs> France would be funny, yeah. Because he's done be the whole thing of like France being like his big enemy that he's targeting this time. And yeah, like, yeah. He's, he's definitely going to just say to Ontomac and Dupont, like, now you've got Jack Willis playing with you day in, day out. Bully him <laughs> relentlessly. <laughs> Well, this was the thing that Jack Willis said. He had a he did an interview on the weekend where basically Eddie Jones told him to go to Toulouse and said, "I'll still pick you for England, but you try and get me as much fucking inside info on <laughs> how Dupont yeah. and Tamac operate as is humanly possible while you're there." All right, <laughs> which shows a what a Machiavellian motherfucker he is, <laughs> because Jack Willis would technically be ineligible for England all for the rest of the season. And they would presumably come back to somewhere 
and signed, and then we'd get back straight back into the squad with a load of intel that Eddie was going to use. It's the guy is, I mean, you've got to hand it to him, he is evil, but in a sense, oh, yeah, of course, like, he is. Yeah, I think Argentina would be funny, yeah, just that was, because that's what I was thinking, especially if <laughs> Checo was still there as well, exactly. Like, imagine mm. a sort of two headed, unpleasant dickhead Hydra that is. <laughs> Imagine dropping a ball in training. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we all know how well it went for for Checker in Australia when they tried to bring someone in over his head. And to be honest, I think he'd respect Eddie a lot more than he respected Scott Johnson. But like, you know, every all of the sort of comic pantomime tantrum shit that happened with checker at that last World Cup was exclusively down to the fact that he just hated Scott Johnson more than words could say but like yeah it's I just I think he's going to do whatever he's going to take whatever job causes him gives him the most opportunity for fucking payback and and because it's not my team I can find that quite funny and (laughs) Well, you know, I can appreciate that Eddie Jones is demonstrably a dickhead um, and not a very pleasant guy and probably shouldn't be the sort of person that is a national head coach or any kind of coach in 2022 if that's how he treats people, while also going, it's fucking funny though, isn't it? Yeah, his press conference after he knocks England out of the World Cup is going to be fucking hilarious. <laughs> I'll tell you what, let me say he's fixated on the World Cup and like, that's it, but he would love that revenge story, oh wouldn't God. he? Of everybody in world rugby, like coaching, he would love that. The best, the sort of, I guess, possibly the most is you know, him and Rassi are clearly mates. You know, well, if you he saw the texts, back, goes back in with South Africa, one sided text. I, I wouldn't bet against Rassi kind of forging that, but anyway, like <laughs> it's he's forged it, you know, he's he's sort of. He's shown he's capable of anything. You can definitely fake a WhatsApp conversation. But, like, imagine Razzie and Eddie plotting England's downfall. <laughs> the thing is, if he did that, Eddie Eddie would definitely, like, keep it private until after it happened. So England I, yeah. don't know Eddie that he's working with them. Yeah, and no, I think and that might well be the case. Is like, the first we'll hear of it is that, like, somebody fucking spots him at some national team's training camp, just sort of standing off, trying to look inconspicuous with his hood up. And he got fly like Marcus Smith's face on it. Like, this is the guy you need to hit. (laughs) I'd love him to just, like, kick through the door of a coaching box like Stone Cold Steve Austin at the World Cup. (laughs) (laughs) Fireworks and everything. Oh, that would be amazing. Let's do. Let's. They want to. They. They keep talking about how they're going to make rugby more, you know, engaging for casual fans. Let's go full fucking WWE on this shit. Yeah. Like, why not? Yeah, like the Argentina coaching box fills up with smoke when it clears. Eddie's in the middle. <laughs> because he really look needs to look more like the hood from Thunderbirds, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody challenges Bill Beaumont to like a fucking ladder match or something in the <laughs> short directly after the opening ceremony, and he he's obliged to accept, you know, just on purely on honour. Oh, speaking of amazing matchups, Harley Worthy says Darth Jackals have actually signed Mario Ledesma as a coach. We're all good. What a fucking sign of those! Yeah, that's a crazy sign. Surely, surely Mario Ledesma can get a better job. Than that. 
<laughs> With love and respect to the Dallas Jackals. <laughs> I mean, he gets to invent scrums in MLR. It's revolutionary. I'll just say that's true, yeah. You basically get to be just scrum Pele to America. <laughs> but the thing is, so MLR has a rule, and it's a completely batshit rule, where if the scrum is reset twice, the team with the putting gets a free kick. So if they're going backwards, Mario Ledesma would be the first person to have the competitive edge to say, yeah, just reset it twice. Reset like it twice and then we'll get the fucking ball. <laughs> yeah. That's really dumb. That's a bad it's brilliant. It's just um, only MLR. Only an MLR, indeed. Um, speaking of, well, you say only an MLR, um, the Premiership is going to get rebadged in 2024-25, as they revealed today. Um which seems like an odd way to respond to your whole model being revealed to be so fragile and fucking batshit that you've already lost two clubs in a season. But like, obviously it's necessary, but like, you're waiting until 2024-25. How, how many clubs are you going to lose before then, Simon? Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely he's got... savaged by MPs and then just basically like coming out of the chamber in a fake moustache and going, no, no, that was the old Premiership. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're thinking of the Premiership. <laughs> this is new Premiership. Tastes so much better. Um, yeah, Simon Massey Taylor's got the bloke responsible for the hundred to come on as the like transformational fucking Svengali or some dreadful corporate title. Um, See, and... when we all kept saying the hundred was really good, we didn't mean just like try and steal it. Yeah, so that's also, not going to work. We also we also the hundred was really good. I have given it zero pounds of my yeah. money in, terms, <laughs> in real terms. I've watched. So, you know, bits and bobs of about 10 games over two seasons, mainly on the BBC, which is free to air. Um, and I've, ne- I've never ever even contemplated going to a game or buying any merchandise or even taking issue like engagement with a team. I, I worry, I worry that the only reason that the hundreds has been successful, right, is because it's on free to air TV and everybody's made a big song and dance about it. Yep, if yeah, that, I don't, like, I'm not really sure that, how you monetize it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, if the hundred is a success in ten years' time, then you go, "Oh, well, these guys know what they're fucking doing." But like, yeah, I mean, it's it's good. Obviously, something needs to happen with the Premiership because this cannot go on. So they've got, I mean, they, for all this talk of rebrand, there's sort of four pillars of what this rebrand is, are not exactly exciting. Um. Because one of the pillars is the establishment of an independent financial monitoring panel, um, which rock and roll as fuck. Again, very necessary, not very exciting. Uh, A new sporting commission that will be independently chaired to make decisions on behalf of the league. All right. Um, Finalising a new professional game agreement, because obviously that's up in 2024. Um, Basically sorting out the structure of English rugby in terms of the championship and the premiership and the sort of player release with England, and then universal commitment to a growth plan. I mean, I don't know about you, but I am fucking excited for That's Premiership 2.0. Yeah. This is going to eat the 100, eat your fucking heart out. You've definitely just said a load of words. <laughs> definitely, said some, definitely said some words. I mean, they haven't even got in... Uh, there isn't even a clause where all the teams have kits that are sort of modelled after crisps, you know? It's <laughs> like... <laughs> Couldn't even get that one big key. Basics, basics, fundamentals. The RFU are struggling on their clauses in the last few weeks. <laughs> well, see if they're going to do this like massive thing, right? Why yeah. don't they do what the URC did and stop the Premiership 
during international windows. Because, like, not yeah. to sound like all these crazy old journalists, but that would make a difference. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty like, but this is the problem that they've got, and you know, that's sort the sorting out the professional game agreement thing might be one clause of four, but it is comfortably the biggest problem that English rugby has got <laughs> coming down the line because, like, the whole environment of sort of confrontational stuff between the Premiership and the Championship and the RFU surely cannot continue. But then I would have said that about five years ago about the WRU, and we all know how that is going. So I wouldn't bet on everything fucking being magically fixed in two years' time. But, like, it's all sensible stuff, but, like, it's so boring. I don't know why they feel they need to trail it now. Mm. It's Like, it's is all it? such boring stuff. Just do it now. Do you reckon they're going to care about the Championship again? I think they're going to pretend to care about the championship mm. again. Yeah, they made they made a noise like they like they're going to care about the championship, but I don't think that's the same thing as caring about the championship. Yeah, I think they've basically decided that the whole sort of issue with the Premiership product at the moment and their whole fucking like thing and USP is promoting you know certainly in terms of like. English language rugby in the world is promotion and relegation. And so I think they need to work out a way to make the championship a successful sort of competitive league in the similar style to France and in the similar yeah. style to sort of football in England. Um, but I don't know how you do that without a big old fucking magic monetary money tree. You know? It is yeah. difficult. And like the most they've ever, like, pretended to care about the championship is when they let Saracens go down there when they gave them that privilege, you know? Uh, yeah. Whereas, like, in the Pro Day Duh, like, there's such a great novelty to that league's existence yeah. in the, you know, fights and just that everybody's <laughs> the second row. A whole lot more exploitation of the Pacific Islands goes on in France. <laughs> like, oh, like yeah. that's, that's the difference in quality. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and also it's just got all of these kind of names that you sort of remember from like 15, 20 years ago of like being a force in rugby are now all down there. And the championship is not totally different from that, you know, mm-hmm. in the same way that like fucking Bezier and fucking Montemarsan and Montaban and Oyana and fucking Provence and Rouen and all these teams that have been up in the top 14 at some point over the last 15, 20 years. Like there's loads of that in the championship. There's loads of teams that... Yeah. You know, have been have sort of touched the Premiership at some point, and then gone down. The difference is that they don't have French second division fucking budgets. Yeah, it's it's been Premiership just a lot more expensive because, like, going from Pro de Deux up to the top fourteen doesn't seem to bankrupt clubs as much as going into the Premiership. No, it doesn't. No, and I, I think I, I, there is a clearly a problem there. And I mean, don't get me wrong, like, you look at the fucking capacity of, like, teams like fucking Biarritz and fucking Bezier and Carcassonne and that, it's like, they're getting gates of, like, 10, 12, 15,000 every week. And that is going to, I mean, compare that to, like, Rich, you know, Richmond. Compare yeah. that to, like, even, you know, even like Bedford, a really well supported like championship club, that is, you know, they're not getting anywhere fucking near that. No. Or Cornish Pirates, you know, it's like 
But something clearly needs to be done, and it's not our job to fucking fix it. Let's be honest; it's the RFUs. Um, but yeah, I just I can understand why they kind of want to wait to do a big rebrand in twenty twenty four because they need to come up with the ideas. But like the financial shit, <laughs> surely just start now and don't let anybody else go to the wall before twenty twenty four twenty five, so you actually have enough teams. It's almost like the little club of rich owners that are in charge, charge of the premiership wanted to give each other a year to sort their shit out before they send an independent financial <laughs> control. Yeah. We don't want anyone to look at this. It's like, it's like you know, you, you ask your, your kid if he's cleaned his room and he's like, yeah, come and have a look in like 15, 20 minutes. And it's yeah. like, okay, we well, haven't yeah. done it. Yet, Point yeah. number one, <laughs> in 14 months, wink, people will start looking at our finances. Just so, just so you know, that is 14 months. And then everything will be good, won't it? Yes, yes, everything will be good then. Mm. Uh, have you, either of you got any news? Not beyond rugby night in New York. I mean, it is the biggest news, let's face it. There was um, the hilarious Tommy Bull wants to scrap two regions. Yeah, well, I mean, everyone in Wales is leaving, is the... <laughs> <laughs> and the news that I've got. Um, that's the impression Die Young gives, and I tend to believe him. Um, Max Llewellyn has indeed signed for a Premiership club next year, um, and with forty percent of Die Young squad out of contract at the end of the season in the WR Regions deal, meaning that still being unsigned, meaning that there's a freeze on offering any new contracts or doing any kind of recruitment. Um, yeah, it's fucked. Gareth Hanscom's uh, apparently being heavily courted by Poe. Um, and you sort of feel like with him, it's like he's going to follow the Hadley Parks, Will Rowlands. Do I really want to play te- Test rugby for a country that is this much of a basket case, or do I just want to take a big old fucking paycheck and play some top fourteen rugby for a couple of years? You know, um, get him in Gatlin's office as quickly as possible, please. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I'm sorry yeah. about the last three years. Yes, they were a train wreck. It won't be the same anymore. I promise you, it'll be fine. Please don't go to Poe. Um, basically, and unless this deal is basically... Dai Young was basically like, it needs to be signed this week. <laughs> or we're fucked. Which is a nice way of putting pressure on the WIU and everybody else. But um, yeah, if it doesn't, then the WIU will basically have to rescind the 60 cap rule because anybody who's anybody is going to just go... like If you've got a mortgage to pay, you're going to sign with a fucking French or English club for sort of 80% of what you would have got in Wales at this stage, because the alternative might be nothing. And it's just a fucking mess. You've seen that Max Llewellyn is actually English qualified as well. Not that that's going to happen, but... No, I think he's far enough down the fucking... But I I would still make a point of capping him before the start of next season. It's shocking that he's the one person who's ever touched a rugby ball in Wales that didn't get picked in the PVAC era. I'm pretty sure Josh. We both spent like one or two days in camp under Pback. Yeah, you? I mean, I was just staying in the Vale, and they for some reason just gave me a fucking training jersey one day, and I just <laughs> had to get involved. But you know, this, these things happened in the Pivac era. No stone unturned. They were they were always <laughs> look out for exiles. Does anyone remember the time when Wales had a coach who gave Matthew Screech a cap? <laughs> Fuck! I forgot about that. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> that summer where the Lions were away was a real fucking dark time in Welsh rugby. The least proud day in all my days supporting Wales is that I was there for Matthew Screech's one cap 
And I will never be able to undo that. No, but you know what you weren't there for? And what none what? of us could ever be there for. None of us were, let, were ever there for James Ratty's first cap. Because, <laughs> and now we never will be. Because that guy just was in three squads and never got a cap. Never got and even made it into a match day squad. And now I'm very sure Warren Gatlin will never, ever want to pick him ever again because he's James Ratty. You know who and the most gutted person was about PVAC going? It was Jean-Baptiste Brazulier after his uh, several years playing for Worcester and then somebody discovering he was Welsh qualified. Um, you know, just players like that who sound yeah. like made-up rugby challenge type players. Exactly. And just because they've played in the Premiership, PVAC instantly assumes that they're good. Same with George Knott, who's at the Dragons now. Like, Pivak definitely promised that guy a cap. Yeah. He's blocked both of us, Josh. Is he really? Yeah. Do you oh, remember? yeah, he did. He yeah, when he was defending Paddy Jackson. What a prick. Yeah. yeah. Fuck oh, guy. yeah. Yeah, fuck him. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> so he blocked me for liking your tweet, um, which is the <laughs> funniest is, thing about it. Him. That is horror. You yeah. Give it to yeah. Him. And yeah. like that's clearly like that's like Haskell against Lee levels of holding a grudge, and that was all inside five minutes. I mean, to be fair, he hasn't like sort of made reference to me on a or you know on a on a post match interview at the highest moment of like his career at that point. So I mean, but maybe George not hasn't played a lot for Dragons this year. Maybe maybe he's coming. I'll, I'll I await with bated breath. So anyway, Max Clark as well. Max Clark's never going to get a cap now. True, it's true. It's mental. Had any of us heard of Bradley Roberts when he first got called up? No, of course not. No, I was the third choice hooker. (laughs) That's pretty much the first time I've just not not heard of a rugby player ever. And he was in the Wales squad, which... I mean, you can't say he didn't leave, you know, he left any stones unturned for trying to find... You know, basically trying to find the tag, the tag burn that would actually make his fucking game <laughs> work at the best level. And like, funnily enough, much... it wasn't James Ratty, it wasn't Kirby Myhill, it wasn't Matthew Screech. It as much as I like him as a player, he tried so hard to make Seb Davis happen. And he really did. Not a chance, mate. Like the I mean, thing is, Gatlin right? Tried to make in... Seb Davis happen. That didn't work, did it? Yeah, true. In the Gatland era, like I don't remember beyond like learning what rugby was. I don't remember a time when I called up a player. I was like, oh, I don't really know who that is. Other than, I remember when he called up Reese Gill. That was the only time, and that was like quite early on to his Saracens career, you know. I hadn't seen him play much, whatever. Whereas that's happened, like, I can think of four times that's happened in the PVAC era. Bradley well, Roberts. I didn't know who Will Rollins was when he first called him up. There was um, that uh, Sam Wainwright and that Harry O'Connor, who I still yeah, don't know big who I was going to say, the summer, both, I still don't know who Harry O'Connor is. I didn't know Sam Wainwright was, and then for 40 minutes he was the best player the world had ever seen, and now he's back to kind of just not really starting. Has he any signed for the Scarlets? Uh, yes. Somewhere, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't even know. Where he's, anyway, so yeah, everyone's <laughs> leaving Wales. Um, yes. For the last player, just, I mean, the last player will be Adam and Jones. Just turn the light on the way out. <laughs> well, but, maybe if uh, Toby Ball gets his way, it just becomes East Wales and West Wales. Everyone can come back. Maybe when it's like a magical wonderland of two teams and all the money and, and the best rivalry in the world, it'll be great. Hey, I find it very funny that he, when he was talking about it, he's like, imagine the depth they'll have. It's like, yeah, imagine the depth of players that basically won't play any rugby that they'll have. 
Like imagine, imagine a, a squad of forty current Wales internationals, where you know twenty of them barely make, you know, are playing like five games a season if they're lucky. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be fantastic? Can't wait for that day. But ugh. and also, it's like you've had you had fifteen years of the regions now, and there's still a lack of affinity inverted commas. And you just, just think people are going to just sign up for East Wales versus West Wales? That classic. Like I've, I've got a lot, a lot of East Wales affinity. Yeah, oh. his geography uh, could do some work as well. Considering he played for the Austrians, and he thinks you can get from Clonetley to Newport in forty-five minutes. <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Maybe at the speed that Tommy Bow drives. And to be fair, he <laughs> should know because he never lived in Swansea for one second of his fucking. He was always in Cardiff, so that guy should know the M4 like the back of his hand. But clearly, he just drives far too fast. But yeah, I, uh, it's just a fucking mess, isn't it? Um, any more news? I think aside from rugby night in New York, I think that's probably the news done, isn't it? I think so. Now. I think so. Indeed. Uh, I'll just make a note of that uh, because we are going to uh, now head behind the paywall and say goodbye to our uh, non-paying listeners as we take a look back at the weekend. Uh, goodbye, everybody. Hello to our paying customers, the people that we like the most. The good ones. Uh, the good ones, the best ones. Um, shall we talk about this weekend then of this scintillating first round of European rugby? Um, and I'll start us off. It's how much comes to be shit now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like, there's just, like, I don't know, so, like they've been sort of hyping up the South African teams coming into the the Champions Cup this year as being like, you know, sort of revi- you know, energising it and sort of revive. This first weekend, there's just this unmistakable just ennui about everything where just like, I remember when the Heineken Cup was good. Yeah, <laughs> and, it like, just feels like the same every year now to me. I don't know if I'm well, just yeah. like getting well, not young. No, it's because it is the same every year because like... The South African teams coming in has made no appreciable difference to the fact that they still have that stupid two pool system. Mm. That yeah, which like it's like it's, it's always it's, laughable when the BT graphic comes up like Pool A, and then there's like ninety <laughs> teams there, like all yeah. the logos stacked up together. It's it's too it, like the old format was perfect because there was so much drama and so much jeopardy tied to every single game in that old four-team pool thing because everybody like if you lost a game you're basically fucked certainly if you lost a home like in the old format Racing lost at home to Leicester uh, to Leinster rather in the old chat like Heineken Cup or old Champions Cup that's it their season's over (laughs) like they're almost certainly not getting out of that pool now Racing can lose get absolutely hammered at home by Leinster and because the top eight teams in the pool go through, like invariably they'll win enough other games to be at least one of the best eight teams and go through. Yeah. And the like, annoying thing about it is that like the bit where you now don't play any teams from your home league in Europe is a relatively good idea. I like that. Me too. Because like if you ended up in a in a pool with two other URC teams, then it was basically like you didn't get to see anybody that exciting. That no. so like keeping keeping the home league separate, I like, but keeping it them separate by doing two massive pools and just letting everyone go through is a bit shit. 
Yeah, and this is the thing. Eight out of 12 going through, like, before the competition even started, you could pick all the eight teams that are going to go through in each side. And that's why it feels the same every year, because you know that, like, every year, Leinster and La Rochelle and Racing 92 and Toulouse and Leicester probably and Munster probably, Ulster probably, and one of the whichever Scottish team is feeling the best at that point. Um it's gonna be fine. And like where's the fun in that? Where, where's the drama in that? Where's the like peril and tension? And like the 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 old Heineken Cup group stages used to be the best thing about the whole fucking thing. Like the knockout stages were fine, but like that knife edge nature of those old pools, like every match was a cup final, and like yeah, it really felt like you got the best, like the best version of every team. Like, yeah, in my like, I have great memories of watching like I don't know, like Ulster against Bath in the pool stage mm. before, because like you're getting these two teams who would never play each other with really clashing styles, and you're getting players like Ian Humphreys and going like, oh right, he's really good, and he's just like you know a good club level player. But there was some value to that at that point. Yeah. It wasn't just, oh, we've got all, we're just going to field uh, 15 internationals now. Mm. It was like, actually, there, you know, the, there was some some value in those club players. Like, like, you know, the sort of montage that they did of like classic Ospreys, Leinster, uh, Leicester, rather, fucking Heineken Cup clashes down the years. Because, you know, there was that period where every year we'd have either fucking Stade Francais or Leicester in our pool. And like the matches were always just fucking horrible ding dongs, and they were usually really fucking tight. They were really fucking like chippy as fuck, and usually the home team won it. And like that was such a, like the contrast between that. And obviously, like the Ospreys have fallen a long way from where they were, but just like the complete lack of kind of energy around that game in contrast to what that fixture used to be because it, it developed into a proper fucking rivalry even though they were in different leagues because that's what being in a Europe because if you lost to one of the you know if you lost to that team in that pool you were going out and so you fucking yeah. hated them yeah and now yeah. it's just like does the Racing really care that they got humped by Leinster because they're, you know, they probably are quite sore about it, but they know that it's eminently fixable, and they're probably still going to be in the knockout stages. And as long as they get it right by then, it's fine. It's just, and if yeah, not, there's always the top fourteen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like they, I don't know. I just, look, I feel like there's no bad blood. There's no sort of aggro. There's no chippiness. Like it's like going through fucking university clearing, but in rugby terms. You know, it's like, oh well. Like, who have we got left here? Um, okay, yeah, you go there, and it's it's shit, man. Yeah, you can essentially pick which team, which games you're going to win if you're not the Ospreys. Yeah, or someone else. Shit, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. like if you are someone like Racing, where you've got the sort of wider squad, where on your day you cro- probably could beat anybody in that tournament, right? Yeah, um, but. You know, like you can you can pick a team or approach a game going right. We might get pumped by Leinster, but also like we've got I don't know Connell at home next week. We'll be all right. I picked that one up my ass, but you know, like you can essentially like plan out the entire tournament. As you say, it's that thing of like going through clearing because you know ninety eight percent of teams in the whole tournament are going to go through to the knockout stages. So who cares? Well, last year, like. You know, Claremont got through to the knockout stages. Stuff like 
four teams, right, got through to the knockout stages of in Pool B last year, winning one game. Now, obviously, there were some COVID cancellations involved in that, obviously. But, like, that shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> like, it shouldn't be a case that you can, you know... And as you say, if you're if you're like a, a an Ospreys or a fucking Benetton or a fucking whoever, like you know that like in order to actually get through, you're probably going to have to win like two of your three game, like three of your four games, and like, but you're not going to be playing like there's not going to be a zebra or a fucking Ainte or a like shit team that you can beat up in your pool as they usually will. It's like yeah, you got to play less just twice, and then you got to play on Pellier twice. Good luck. We spoke about and... the Ospreys drawing Leicester every year. Remember when we used to draw Treviso every year? That yes. was great. I love that was my favourite part. <laughs> back when they were shit, like Yeah, back when they weren't good. That was fun. We used to score like seventy points. It was a good time. I miss those days. But yeah, it just the the format is just so and like the knockout stages are still fun at the Champions Cup. I still enjoy oh. them. But the pool stages used to be so good and they feel like they've just kind of sacrificed all of what made the pool stages good for the sort of this mistaken belief that like everybody just wants to see the big guns, you know, so we've got to make yeah. sure that it's like what they did with the Champions League in football. Like they went, oh, well, you know, everybody wants, you know, see Racing and Barcelona and Man United and fucking Man City or whatever every year. So we're going to make it so that all the big teams always get through. Mm. And it's just <laughs> such a shame that they had something that was better and they've sacrificed it for that sort of yeah. stupid kind of continuity. How excited has everyone been about this absolute shab of a football World Cup because all the big teams kept going out? Yeah, exactly. Like the only times, the only times I've been excited about this football World Cup is when like Germany went out early, Spain went out early, Brazil yeah. went out early. So like that, yeah, you know, that's the most fun bit. Let's go back to big teams getting knocked out because it's hilarious. Yeah, and also it's like you want to pull in like floating. You know, you're trying to attract new audience. You're not going to attract new audiences by, you know, the last eight in the Champions Cup being the same teams every year because that's that doesn't that's not a healthy that's not a, that shows that there's not a healthy level of competition throughout the entire structure of your game because there isn't in rugby but like at least if you create a system that like the where there's so much kind of peril created that you can't afford even one slip up then at least you get some upsets and you get some mad shit yeah, Where... I think the most I've enjoyed a Champions Cup game in the last sort of couple of years was that one about this time last year when there was um, Carf- Cardiff sent the pub team out because oh, yeah. got everyone stuck oh, in South yeah. Africa, and it was great because it was like, oh yeah, you're getting this like you're getting the genuine like best version out of these essential like semi-pro players playing against literally Antoine Dupont and Roman Entomac, and it was like <laughs> they literally brought a primary school teacher off the bench. So, Johnny, don't give up hope yet. Uh, just, <laughs> just really, really hope that, you know, like the Glasgow squad all accidentally gets stuck in Turkey or something. Uh, and you might have a chance, but... Yeah, it's just... I don't know, man. I, I just think it's such a shame what we've lost and what we're kind of stuck with now. And they've, they've clearly committed to it now. They're never going to change it because it gives them what they think they want, which is Toulouse and La Rochelle and Racing. And Leinster and Munster and Ulster and Leicester and Saracens getting to the knockout stages every year. Give you a good set and, of semi-finals. And it will it will give you a good set of semi-finals, but it'll give you the same games. And like maybe, you know, maybe the South African teams can come in and shake things up a bit, mm. and at least kind of because certainly you know, Sharks and the Bulls looked very strong 
in that first weekend. And, and it definitely doesn't harm your brand if in said semi-finals you have Sia Khaleesi playing in it. Yeah, indeed. And you look at that Sharks team and go, yeah, I hope they do go deep in Europe this yeah. year. It's like, 100%. Yeah. Imagine the Sharks going to fucking Toulouse in a quarterfinal or a semi-final or going to fucking Dublin or going to fucking like Allianz Park or whatever the fuck it's called these days. Um, the Stone X, that's it. That is one um, thing is that like I think when they agreed for, to the South African teams, I have I have a real sneaking suspicion that everyone at APCR thought we were going to get like one token South African team for a couple of years. I do not think they expected three South African teams, including two top seeds, in the first yeah. year. <laughs> like, yeah, two teams that are two of those teams that are fucking loaded yeah. with world class talent, <laughs> and you know that like obviously Harlequins being fundamentally silly that they are and playing against 13 men um, managed to make that game against the Sharks look like it was competitive if fuck it wasn't. The Sharks absolutely pasted them for the first 60 minutes. It was 32-14 shortly after they went down to 13 men and then obviously Quinns came back and scored a load of tries because a team like Quinns against 13 men scores loads of tries. But um before then, the Sharks just battered them. <laughs> and it was like, oh, yeah, you've got fucking Mapimpi on the wing. He's quite good, actually. See, Khaleesi's pretty good as well. Oxney Chase, pretty good. Yeah, Bongi's good. Yeah. Pretty Even good. Yeah, yeah, he's decent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's... I did love that um, that Border Chamberlain trying the last minute where it, was yeah, just like, it looked like the most piss easy thing you've ever seen. Of just yeah. like, oh, yeah, you, that is the try that you score when you're 50 points up. Yeah, big time. And it's like, yeah. how how have you done that against 14? How have you created that much space when you're 14 attacking 15 that you've just basically shipped it wide and shown and some nice sort of commitment of the like defense, outside defender has somehow meant that you've got a piss easy run in. But yeah, it was a a chase. It, it should have been a more chastening game for Quinns than it was. Um, but I think the Sharks certainly look like they are they're here to play in this competition and that is you know that is exciting and interesting just because some big team is going to underestimate that like an english team or a french team that's not used to playing them who's well, going to go i've been saying for ages like oh, i'm waiting to see how the south african teams take to the tournament and they go, are they going to do what the French teams do and not give a fuck about away games? We're going to see like mm. academy teams and stuff. And then there was a real academy looking feel to the Bulls team that they put mm. out against Leon at the weekend and then they fucking did them. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. The, the only difference between like a sort of you know a a British or an Irish Academy team and a South African Academy team is that like their Academy players are all like six foot eight and 19 stone and you can do an awful lot with that level <laughs> it doesn't matter how inexperienced you are you can do a lot with that kind of raw materials <laughs> and, <laughs> and leon just looked really fucking pissed off to be there like the it seems like the french most of all just resent this whole thing like you know <laughs> yeah because it was, was like it's, it's not the european cup anymore like i don't remember like, when it was last called the european cup though no, actually and also, it's like if you're in the Irk, you're used to like doing comic air miles and like being on a plane all the time. It's like in France, it's literally like we get on a bus down the road. And if, to be honest with you, as soon as we go outside of our own postcode, we don't try. 
and you're expecting me to go to South Africa and try. Are you fucking kidding me? You moron. And so, yeah, I, I don't see a lot of French teams trying in South Africa this year, which God help anybody that if the Sharks or the Bulls manage to get themselves a home semi, uh, home last 16 or quarter final, because that will be oof, interesting. That, that Speak- will be interesting, seeing Antoine Dupont playing club rugby on the high belt. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's like... Because he's got a low, I feel like the lower center of gravity means he's going to be slight. And you see, so we like, does that mean that the air is slightly thicker at his level than it will be? So, he, you know, he won't. Trying he won't to. Be as gassed as everyone else. Imagine sending Will Skelton there. Like, that guy's <laughs> basically just going to sort of stagger out of the tunnel and collapse. So, <laughs> just like trying to apply physics to the likes of Antoine Dupont and Will Skelton is a stupid Scott's idea. <laughs> Um, speaking of Will Skelton, um, La Rochelle looked a bit scary. <laughs> I mean, I would, I, I, I would not like to be like I wouldn't have wanted to be a Northampton fan in that because that was that was felt like an insurance job by half time, even though it wasn't. I was in it was I was in Aldi doing the weekly shop, but I just kept looking at my phone and going, "Nah, I'm done. I'm done with this now." I don't think I need to know how this ends because I'm pretty sure I could tell. Yeah, and I mean to be fair, they scored a couple of tries late on, and they looked a lot better once Courtney Laws came on, which is kind of seems to be the the weird thing of just Courtney Laws comes on and teams look better. I don't like it. I don't trust it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just like it. It was amazing how easy it was for La Rochelle because it wasn't like they particularly like. It wasn't like they did a. Leinster and particularly blew them away. It was just like they just scored a try roughly every five or six minutes <laughs> for most of the first half. So I, was, I missed this game live, but I watched back the highlights. And why does Dylan Lades look absolutely world class in the highlights? <laughs> I don't know. It was weird, man. He was everywhere. It was one of those just like, oh yeah, I forgot about Dylan Lades. Oh, I don't, I don't remember him being that good. But yeah, it was. Oof. At least they're not going yeah. to play a team that got nilled by the not good sharks this weekend. <laughs> next for the next round game. Johnny, Johnny Ball says La Rochelle coming to the corporate Mansfield Stadium next week. I am scared. Yes. Uh, yeah, because there are two sharks in the tournament now, and that's the one yes. you're not meant to get nilled by. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but we might have to accept, right, that sale in Europe are good now. Because, like, what if I told you that for the last two seasons, Sale Sharks have been England's most successful team in the Champions Cup? Well, that's what happens when you go to the mind gym, wrong. The gym for the mind. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> the mind gym, it's clearly the mind gym, gym for the mind works in. It's an know, international business. <laughs> but it only works in European competition. But, like, yeah, like, they've got the quarterfinals the last two seasons of Sale, quite under the radar, because I forgot. That they have in both times. You know, both times they've got well beaten in both their quarterfinals. I might add, they've clearly got a fucking ceiling, which is you know, broadly sixth. Um, but like, you know, they they seem to be able to turn this switch in Europe where they're not this sort of like Saracens light with terrible discipline and sort of turn into like relentless, brutally efficient old school Saracens instead, which I don't think I like. It just feels wrong. 
is it like terrifying foreshadowing that actually South Africans are really good at European rugby? Is that what we're learning? Yeah, the Sharks' sort of entire strategy over the last has been how many South Africans can we squeeze into this team? And it turns out that if you have an entire team of South Africans, as the Bulls and the Sharks do, it's <laughs> it's just as effective. Um, it does make the yeah. two Sharks indistinguishable, though, doesn't it? It does a bit. <laughs> and, they might uh, as well move. You know, you, you basically flip a coin of which one uh, Rob Duplessis is going to be captaining this weekend. Imagine we get a Sharks versus Sharks in the quarterfinals. Yeah, that would and be then, good. And then, you know... Are any of the sales shark South African players going to sort of be kind of actually improved by playing away in South Africa? They're like, well, this is just like a home game for us. It's Tom Curry you've got to worry about. But like, yeah, I don't. They're going to put They'll on a bry. Street bry's not to go to. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say they'll be the first team to not have horrendous fucking shits at some point during their <laughs> South African. Which fair play to them. Um, Ulster though, woof. Mm. Yep, <laughs> that is not supposed to happen to that Ulster team. Like I know they had travel problems, so did Leinster. Yeah. Um, you kind of felt like that horrible fucking capitulation against Leinster last week has, has taken, has stolen something. Yeah, quite, it's like quite precious from them. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's a wound that will not heal. Because um, I know, yeah, look, losses like that can mess with your very fucking fabric um, and that is certainly how it felt watching Ulster on Saturday that they just they just didn't have any belief or any as soon as Sale scored that first try they were just like Pfft. it was said on the comms this. that uh, you know it says a lot about how much you've been taken apart when all of the tries are scored by backs and a prop gets man of the match like yeah and that was very much the case. And Bevan Rod was who got my match was excellent. Like, Great. Um, yeah, uh, he and like he's a genuinely like carries the ball so that like so very well. But like to, to a point where you're almost surprised, like when he does all like the scrummaging on the tight work as well, mm. um, like to go around it. And yeah, I, I just think it's 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 very kind of emblematic of just how much Ulster just got torn apart. Through the whole game, like there wasn't a point where there was like the resurgence as often happens with these. Like with the Northampton game, you know, um, yeah, that, that, that never looked like it was going to happen. No, and it was yeah, like those things, like even the proper fucking batterings of Northampton and of Racing, which we'll come to in a minute, I guess. Um, there was at least a sort of like bit of defiance at the end, <laughs> and. There was none of that for Ulster. That was just like, get us on a plane and get us home as soon as is humanly fucking possible. We just want to get out of here. And, it, and you know, Sale have done this to team. You know, Sale did it to the Scarlets away a couple of years ago. Well, that was the Scarlets. You know, this is fucking Ulster. They're supposed to be one of the best teams in the Urk. They're supposed to be, they certainly are the second best team in Ireland this year. It, it could be a bad, you know. Again, it's one of those ones where it's like, could just be a bad day at the office. They'll probably still qualify for the knockout stages if they win all their other games. It's not the end of the world. But it felt, it was a, a loss that felt deeper than that. <laughs> in a sort of, it felt like a sort of revealing of a, of a quite painful truth about where this fucking Ulster team are, and it's not a good place. 
no. They've got like 96 hours to sort it before La Rochelle turn up. <laughs> and like that could get real <laughs> fucking messy. Oh man. Yeah, it's like definitely who you want to play next after getting nilled is a La Rochelle team that if they'd have really wanted to could have easily nilled Northampton, but they just decided to go easy on them in the last 20 minutes. When you say yeah. Ulster wanted to go home, think of Rory Best in the commentary box. <laughs> He was a man that just increasingly sounded like he was going to make a call to the Samaritans after the game. You know, a man like, so heavily built on pride as well. Bless him. It was just like the first try. He was like, okay, but then the second. By the time they had their like fourth try, he was just a man that was just trying his very best to not go full Brian Moore shouting was, at his own team. That try they scored, where it was, I can't remember who it was. The, the, uh, oh, it was Byron Bar- Bar- Guggen, wasn't it? Came on and just, just basically walked oh my through God. the middle of the defence. Well, that, 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 just... that, yeah. that was the worst. Uh, it's, it was going to be my shit, but let's talk about it now. That Byron McGuigan try was because, for some reason, Mike Lowry, uh, with 70 minutes on the clock... 27 nil down with nobody on his team ready decided to attempt a 30 yard quick line out throw from his own 22 and just and literally half of his team had their backs turned and Byron McQuiggan just stood there caught it and ran in I was like even he looked amazed that that (laughs) of all the times to do it's genuinely the thickest thing I've seen on a rugby field this year and I've watched Wales play McGuigan passed it to where Sale had a two on one didn't it and it's just like right okay do you want just an automatic try yeah it was it was like he was it was like he wanted his sort of betting accounts investigated to make sure that he's not point shaving because it's like that that that's as close to an own try as you could yes. ever score in rugby. But he really tried his best. It was bad. Um, any of you guys got anything from the weekend you want to talk about? Beyond, We can avoid the Ospreys, I reckon. I'm going to try and avoid it for as long as possible, yeah. Can we talk about, should we talk about how Racing are just the most unsum like the most less than some of its parts team yes. in the world? Fuck me. Like, you've got to give Leinster credit for being excellent, right? Because they are and were. But, like, fuck me. What on earth was that for Rassing? Like, you look at that, that was team. A, that was a Leinster team that was in taxis at one o'clock in the morning the night before the yeah. game. Like, oh. <laughs> so, and you look at that Rassing team and it's like, that's a fucking good team. That's still got all of the sort of key component bits that you would want a racing to the first there's a couple of players missing but nobody like fucking terminal and like we talk about the French teams mm. go on like picking what games they're what games they want to care about and not care about being away at home and from home and stuff like that and and racing i assume want to win a champions cup because you know <laughs> that's like they spend all their money and that's the money like win. a team that wants to win yeah yeah so, so like, surely that's the game where you're like, right, we've got, we've got Leinster at home first weekend. Let's lay down a marker. Let's let's say we're here to win the Champions Cup, and then just get absolutely prison shamed. <laughs> like it, it's the complete opposite of the thing I was saying about that Sharks try earlier. Was that try Christian Wade scored at the end 
where yes. Finn Russell just gets the ball and absolutely pisses through the defence and just makes an absolute mockery of everyone. And they score and it's like, yeah, well, that was easy. It's like, yeah, why didn't you do that earlier on? <laughs> should have tried that 75 minutes ago. Yeah. I like Finn, right? Like, and I really, particularly when he's, because he's never going to be on my team, I really enjoy watching him play because I don't have to deal with the bad stuff. Mm. But like, fuck me. Like, for the for 74 minutes or whatever it was, it was a hard watch because he was doing all the Finn stuff that usually works and he was just passing to somebody that was instantly getting smashed. And it it, it was like he was fizzing one of those lovely flat balls and then like fucking Josh van der Fleer is there to fucking cave his face in. And just it, from him and Legaric were just like completely in a, like whatever the opposite of control is. That was what they were ex- like, and there was just no like. It wasn't just them, obviously. It was a one to twenty three bed shit, but like, yeah, it was like you expect that sort of result against Leinster, you know, from a Welsh team sending it second string during the Six Nations. You like you say, Johnny, if you've got any aspirations of winning a Champions Cup, you have to. At least put up a fight against Leinster at some point. And I'd like to didn't. bring, I'd like to bring forward from good the Legarek uh, deliberate knock on, the flying yes. diving goalkeeper <laughs> save as Luke Pierce referred to it. Yeah, the 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 way that Luke Pierce was almost just like incredulous. It's just like, what did you think was going to happen? And the way that he said like "le desperation" in French. Yes. <laughs> I love when, when Luke Pierce gets really disparaging. It's one of my favourite things. <laughs> he was, like, when, he's got a, a really good line. they just be like, you're better than that. You are. <laughs> but he was, he was basically doing like the sort of Michael Jordan, Air Jordan thing, but like, but in rugby when it's not allowed to knock a ball down. It was... It's, one of my favourite things in rugby is like a really blatant deliberate knock-on that they don't try and like mask or hide at all. I absolutely <laughs> love it aesthetically. The desperation. Um, <laughs> it, it was it was amazing. And, and it was one of those ones where it's just like, it was definitely the second thickest thing I've seen that I saw this weekend after we Mike Lowry throwing the ball to Byron McGuigan. But it was almost more heroic what Legaric did because it wasn't even a nailed on try. There was cover, <laughs> but he was just like, I'm just going to do something incredibly stupid because I've had enough of this game and I just want it to end. They, they're, they're horrible and mean and bigger than me and I don't like it. So I'm just going to slap the ball down in the most comically overwrought and obvious way imaginable. It's a good point. It means that you're guaranteed for the next 10 minutes you don't have to tackle Josh van der Fleer. Really smart play from there. I get 10 10 minutes away from pretending like I care about tackling. And I must say, we we talk a lot about racing in this game. You've got to give Leinster credit for Hmm. how excellent... Because they were very excellent, and particularly... Like the fluidity of the way that their forwards were like running lines, particularly in like the Van der Fleer try is a very good example of that. Like that is something they weren't doing last season, and it's like oh, oh, (laughs) it's not just the backs they're doing running fancy shit now; they're also running fancy shit off nine with the forwards. Great, brilliant. Yeah, it's just, I mean. I say let's just give them the cup now, but we sort of said that last season and then the fucking wheels fell off. So 
I look forward to yeah, seeing I'd like that to happen again. This one away because they really seem very, very good this year. So it will take something quite spectacular for them to sort of not be in the final again. And I look playing on the high belt. That's what it's going to be. Oh, it could be. <laughs> it could be. Uh, Saracens made very hard work of a very good Edinburgh team. I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, she the lane out. Yeah, that aside, that was a fucking <laughs> shambles. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, they were the better. Like, the four tries to two tells its own story. They were the better team. But, like, Edinburgh were just, like, horrible at the breakdown. And Saras just could not stop fucking infringing as a role. It was really funny. Like Edinburgh are, are quietly becoming a really, really, really good breakdown team. Like, really good. You must hate that. A lot, yeah. Yeah, we, Glasgow have got to play them twice in a couple of weeks and uh, lost another two back rows in the game against Bath on Saturday. So, I'll get this. It's not like you've yeah, got a lot of injuries at the moment, so yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the gonna, injury list is pretty scary. I was gonna once again save this back for good, but scenes were here. Emiliano Buffelli, man, he's Jesus Christ. Like, I know he, you know, he played against his opposite number was Elliot Daly, who was fantastic, but um. That that um, kick where he caught it and did the out the back flick for Wes Hurson, who like the elements did absolutely everything to make that not a try, but just there is nothing he can't do. Like they they played against you know a better Saracens team, and just because any time Saracens infringe anywhere on the pitch, Buffelli is twatting the ball over from ninety meters, like. It's an automatic three points. Just the um, the amount he can just raise a team from the back three is just unheard of. He's yeah, been outstanding, it, not just against Addison, but like against South Africa this year and against yeah, yeah. England. He's been he's world class. He's like one of the form players in the world, like just all, all year. Saracen's only conceded 13 penalties, which isn't that many, you know, is not a whole heap of a lot of them. But like the problem is just every time they infringed, if it was in their half, it was three points. Yeah. And that's a real... You talk about scoreboard pressure, uh, but it, and you could see it really did put Saracens under a pressure that like if they hadn't had Buffelli in the team, Saracens would have been comfortable in cruising for most of that game. It made Edinburgh feel more in the game than they necessarily would. Yeah. Yeah, much more than their sort of play necessarily reflected. Yeah, but like they weren't making they, chances by so many tries or whatever. No, but they like, put that scoreboard pressure on them. And it's, yeah, it's such an asset, man. It really yeah. is. He's just next level. He's a proper like, game changer, Buffelli. Um I'm so excited to see how he's going to kind of kick on into World Cup year because just throughout the year for Argentina, he has just been their best player. And as I say, one of the best players in international rugby all year. Yeah. Um, and that has translated to the Irk, um, mm. which often you see that kind of not as the case, um, particularly with an Argentine player. That feels so unlikely. Um, yeah. But he's just fantastic. And just I will take any opportunity to watch him and marvel over him. Same. He's one, The fact that he wasn't in the World Player of the Year, uh, Team of the Year thing. Is absurd to be honest. Yeah, like, yeah. And don't get me wrong, like Josh van der Fleer, very deserving of World Player of the Year, and so on, as 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 proven this weekend with his couple of tries. But uh, Buffelli should have been knocking on that door, like mm. big time. Yeah, to not even get a nomination was mental. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. 
Uh, Harley Rosie said Luke Crosby showing BT Sports latest love child banner, making Benner look like a right mug was great as well. Yeah, he really did. Like, yeah. Ben Hill's had a very good season. <laughs> Crosby made him look incredibly ordinary for 80 minutes, which is, you know, it's always funny. Uh, anybody got anything else from the weekends before we bring back the... Yeah, I watched quite a lot of Challenge Cup, but there was nothing really exciting to talk about, to be honest. Yeah. A lot of business decisions getting made in Johannesburg, like the Dragons got to about 55 <laughs> minutes and just went, I'm not tackling these fuckers anymore. <laughs> like, I'm so sick of this. <laughs> Oh, right then. Well, we shall uh, say goodbye to the weekend and uh, we shall welcome back our lovely friends uh, from outside the paywall uh, to do a little bit of shit good. Um, my shit we covered. My first uh, was Mike Lowry, just for for all of that. Um, any shits or good shits from you, boys? Got a couple of shits. So, Joe Marler. Just this is a residual shit from last week. You already put this in your shit last week, Josh. That very same interview. Getting we had a brief conversation about this over the weekend. Oh, I hate but... that it's now it's now on BT Sports advert. Yeah, Joe Marler being a dickhead, the Sarah Elgin fucking thing is now. Yeah, like... it's their way of engaging people and getting to watch the rugby, and it's it's so annoying because it's exactly what he wants and it's not what he deserves, um, and like. You know, the fact that, yeah, that's being put in the adverts, it's being put in, like, other programmes of, like, oh, yeah, we'll put a, we'll have a 15-minute segment where we'll just gush over Joe Marler, even if we don't find it funny, uh, which it obviously isn't. It's just, it's a permanent shit on my behalf, is Joe Marler. But... <laughs> no, I mean, the fact that, the fact that it hasn't been allowed to just kind of, you know, that was weird and awkward. The fact that it was instantly BT tweeting it out as, a, you know, evidence of what a hilarious character he is and putting it in their adverts to basically represent Rugby Union is this dickhead who can't even get somebody's name right and then yeah. and then takes umbrage with them for having the temerity to have a name that he is not instantly familiar with. Do you get it? It's Do you get the joke? Hilarious. It's called Sarah, not Sarah. Yeah. Do you get it? It's a punchline. That's just her name. Really oh, hilarious. Also shit, by the way, Reese Webb. <laughs> there it is. We've held off for too long. Fuck me. That was a tough game to watch from an Osprey's perspective. Because they were comfortably not the second best for 40 minutes and then just gave up in the second half and couldn't yeah. be bothered. And the the thing the thing that pisses me off about Reeswet, right? Um, hopefully, this won't take us over two hours in the pod. But um, he does this thing, right, where he'll make a break because every time he sees a front row forward at the pillar of a rock, he dummies it, uh, and that's that's all he does that's good, right? And that is not worth him making that little half break, looking round, seeing only opposition players round him offloading it to them anyway, dropping like a really like catchable pass a minute later, and then seeing Anthony Watson get the ball and not being asked to chase him back. Like all of that culminating was just so frustrating. Um, also somehow being caught offside in front of the kicker like three times. Yeah, time. yeah. Absolutely oh, unforgivable. The Ospreys kicking game or lack thereof was is, you know, deserves a mention in itself, but we've not got the time. No, we haven't. They were shit. Leicester, yeah. Leicester were fine the end yeah. uh, the last shit just... thing was the Damien Hoyland thing where he didn't finish that try Jesus oh, Christ oh my god that was so bad hard to watch like 
Don't get me wrong, oh. brilliant defensive effort by Saracens. Yeah, amazing. Headline on that. But Damien Hoyland is firstly really quick and used to be a really good finishing winger. And again, like I, I must preface this with with the whole I'm shit, I'm criticizing professionals, I'm very aware of that. Like I could never do any of this right. But However, I'm just saying this because I've seen Damien Hoyland finish those a thousand times before. Well, it was like when he made that intercept, it was just like there is no and, and Steve Clark says yeah, has, good is Edinburgh stepping up the Saracens, but shit is despite beating half Saracens backs, Hoyland and Lang failing to score off that. Would have likely won them the game. He might well have won them. Yeah, it could have won them the game potentially. That, and even if you still got to finish that man, how, how you break into that much clear air, and don't just like I still don't understand how they didn't score it. It's like they should the try should have happened, and then all of a sudden they're like over the other side of the pitch somehow, and and again held up over the line. It's like it was, it was weird. Uh, so my shit, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> since we're speaking about that, is uh, Glasgow very vaguely said in the injury report today that Xander Fagerson is out for the f- foreseeable with his hamstring oh, that's, injury. That's um, nice and vague. Xander yeah, Fagerson and Darcy Graham are probably the two players that Scotland can least afford to lose because with no Darcy for the Six Nations, someone like Damien Hoyland kind of appears around the fringes of the squad then. <laughs> and actually, the next the next man up at tight head after Xander is um, WP Nell. So, I mean, that was... And a, I love WP Nell more than life yeah, itself, me too. but I don't want him to be starting start in tight head. I was going to say, that yeah, was a great option like minutes, six or seven years ago. Yeah, yeah those, are, those are two players that we cannot afford to be losing. Um, and it looks like they're out for quite a long time. So I'm, oh, not, even really gonna, I'm not even going to look at that. I saw it and I'm not going to dignify it with that. In black and blue. Uh, it's as he was meant to be. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Scotland are really starting on their classic Six Nations injury crisis early this year. You know, yeah. it's not even January yet and things are already going a little bit fucking sideways. But, you know, such as, you know, WPNL, he's good to go for 80 minutes, surely. Like, yeah, he's, he's, ne- he's, he's never shown any kind of sense that he might not be an 80-minute player to me. So, you know. As long as all he has to do is scrum, he'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, heading over to the Twits then, uh, Johnny at Austin North says, shit is the worst alter performance in years, taking nearly two hours to complete just to extend my suffering. Yeah, that was the other thing. That game went on for fucking ages. And there was no appreciable reason for it going on for fucking ages. But, like, yeah, there's nothing worse than an elongated hammering, is there? It felt that a little bit. The second half felt like it took ages in the Ospreys game as well. And it's just like, can we just not, like, fucking wind this up? We all know how this is going to go. Mike Cooper says, shit is the EPCR's ability to turn an elite club tournament into a total skid mark with embarrassing attendances thanks to the ridiculous convoluted zero jeopardy format. Yes. I think we kind of covered that. Uh, David Larry says, uh, shit is Ulster's remake of planes, trains, and automobiles for the particularly shit last 80 minutes. Yes. Um, And also shit was the, we didn't talk about this, the lack of any, even a pen for the whole uh, Warwick to head clash, which was nasty as fuck. And somehow, the fact that nobody even got penalised for that is... They've changed yeah. something, haven't they? They won't tell us what they've changed, but <laughs> head-on-head yeah. isn't the thing anymore. I have to say that, like, probably more than a lot of other people, 
I think that there definitely was at least a penalty at that, but I'm not sure who it was a penalty against. I know what you two mean. Laggy, yeah. Two laggy, like just plain ran at him head first. And yeah. Warwick could have got yeah. lower, had plenty of time to get lower. He's he's definitely not like completely innocent, but also you can't just run head first at people either. Yeah, it's almost like you need the sort of like NFL style, you know, if lowering the crown of your helmet mm. kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, because that's what he like, did. He basically just like he tipped his head yeah. down and ran head first into yeah, just, just without a helmet. Maybe that's why they didn't give the penalty because they're still trying to figure out how to word the mitigation. <laughs> yeah, how do we make this make sense? I'll just say nothing for nobody. Yeah, um, can, it be, yeah. can it be a penalty against both of them? Yeah, because that's no. what it feels. No, you just drop you just drop the ball in the middle of the field, <laughs> and then first person, <laughs> first person to jump on it wins. Um, Gary Ox says, uh, shit is Reese Webb for turning a reasonable forward platform into utter dross. Yes. Strong agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tenep says, shit is the return of some French teams not giving a shit about away matches in Europe. Yeah. Certainly in the Challenge Cup this week, there was a lot of business decisions being made on the part of a, a lot of French teams where it was like, are you aware that we have 17 million top 14 games to play this season? I'm not. I'm not sending anything other than the absolute dross to fair play to Netflix. Bristol for calling their bluff as well to like yeah. go to Perpignan with a team that had Pietau and Luatua and yeah. Semi and Andrand on it. Oh, you're not going to give a fuck about it. <laughs> We're going to. And to, be, <laughs> and to be fair, like they just about won, <laughs> which says a lot about where Bristol are this season. <laughs> but like, yeah. You know, Perpignan are going to feel fucking a shit second team. And then that's exactly, you know, Cardiff for the same, you know, and Scarlet to a lesser extent, slightly lesser extent. Like, if you're going to send a shit team like a, to play away in Europe, then they deserve to be absolutely hammered and sent home because it's just not. I know it's only the Challenge Cup, but in many ways, the Challenge Cup is more entertaining and more interesting than the fucking Champions Cup is these days. So, like, you know, have a bit of respect for this venerable club competition. Yeah. Uh, any more shits for you guys? Should we move on to good? I've done mine. <laughs> cool. Uh, good for me, then. Uh, we haven't touched on it that much this week because of all the European shits, but uh, over in the Premier 15s, Gloucester Hartbury. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I yeah. said on the pod last week that they looked like seriously impressive. Uh, I don't think I expected them to win 57-7 away at Saracens the next week. Unbelievable. Like, that, honestly, that's such a huge statement of like not just them being like playoff contenders, but they're like actual contenders for the title this season now. Exactly. Uh, now like, got and they've still got like players coming back. They've just had like more Mjolnir's just come come in for them and so on. Like and like they've had like a lot of the kind of internationals on the bench for them uh, in the last few weeks. So they are not yet at the peak of their powers, which is super exciting. Yeah, that's the thing. Like obviously, Saracens have a lot you know a lot more england players to come back than than gloucester do but like mm. there's still in you know there's enough stuff in that you know there's enough players left to come in that gloucester team that like you know 57 7 man <laughs> they beat them by 50 fucking points i don't think that bringing all of sari's england players back with all of gloucester's england players as well is going to necessarily make that 50-point swing. Exactly. <laughs> and being able you... to make the most of this part of the season, which happens every season, like not just World Cup years, but like when the situation yeah, yeah. plays away and stuff, being able to make the most of those parts of the se- season are what make champion teams. 
Um, and you suddenly look at that Gloucester Harker team and go like, oh, no, there's, we need to take them a bit more seriously now. Mm. No, and I think that is a, a real fucking thing is that they have... Yeah, it, it is... Home semi-finals and things like that will be decided in these coming weeks, you know, over also, when the England players are away. And so play, that's a huge advantage, man. Player of the match, Flaky George. So yeah, picking Welsh ten, get us straight in, please. <laughs> yeah, just uh, all of Gloucester's Welsh players played real fucking good, <laughs> which you know, in a team that is on the up, is really exciting from a Wales perspective because it's like yeah. ah yes, this this is this is where you, the rubber is hitting the road in terms of the conditioning and the professionalised stuff that you've done over the last couple it, of months. Makes me realise that in the Premier 15s, I joint support all of Gloucester, Bristol, and Worcester because they've just got all of the Welsh players split between them. <laughs> yeah, it is a it, it's a thing, isn't it? It's like it's certainly in the Premier 15s, it's like whoever's got the most Welsh players any given time, I will sort of secretly root for. Like Gloucester playing Bristol the other week, watching that game was so much fun. It's like, oh, it's all the gang are back together, and like <laughs> seems bring on like you know, Sydney Pam's there as well. Brilliant. Yeah, it's just like oh, we get to have so much fun. Nice to see you all again. <laughs> Where are most of the like? Presumably, the Scotland players are just going to stay where they are, Johnny. Now that they kind of worked out the professional contracts. Yeah. I think we're still waiting on news for quite a lot of them. Um, yeah, we'll wait and see what happens. I mean, there's got to be there's got to be some options coming. Um, some of our players are kind of starting to appear in the Premier 15s more regularly. Chloe Rowley mm. appears for Exeter quite a lot. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. We're we're a couple of steps behind Wales still at the moment, so. Yeah, plus, you know, you had the, you know, you didn't shut down your entire women's programme until when the pandemic hit and told them to go and all play in the Premier 15s like the WIU did, which is kind of where, <laughs> why we are where we are. But, uh, yeah, for, uh, it kind of feels like it's Gloucester, you know, the road to the Premier 15s title might go through Gloucester this year, which, given that Gloucester are going well in the Champions Cup and in the Premiership as well, it's like, what is happening with Gloucester? Like they have a role to play, and that is being sort of likable losers, and they seem to across the board be refusing to do that this year. And well, the Lions are still winning in the NFL. Maybe Lee's luck's finally coming. Fuck yeah, maybe it is. Jesus. Maybe now that he's like started publicly saying that he supports Gloucester, maybe, and the Lions, maybe he is good. the ultimate good luck charm. Although, like that doesn't help his football team. So, hmm. like, yeah. Or his rugby league team, to be fair. You'll <laughs> take fifty percent. You'll take yeah, fifty percent. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. um, a friend of the pod, Patricia Vieira, says, "Hey, Patricia, good is just being in Toman Park, regardless of the fog, treacherous roads, frozen fingers, and not even being able to see Roman and Max glorious hair or anything else. It is forever my face, favorite place to be. Those bloody European Sunday afternoons in Toman Park. Eh? <laughs> Tell you what, though." How many is it just me, or do more rugby games seem to be foggy these days than they used to be? Because, like, yeah, I feel, like a, I feel like a couple of quite a few games at this time of year in the Championship Cup last year were basically, yeah, there was the Glasgow Exeter one where you basically, yes, yeah, it's like it feels like we're getting more fog games, and I kind of like it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like 
Victorian sort of sinisterness to everything. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely loved Thomas Ramos having to just guess where the posts were every five minutes. It's incredible. <laughs> Broadly there, Thomas. Hope for the best. Yeah. Uh, any good from you guys? Yeah, no, Luke Crosby I, I was my good. Sorry? Luke Crosby was mine, so we've covered yeah, that. Yeah, he was real good. Real good. Uh, Thorfinn in the Red says, good is Glasgow testing their depth and actually winning. Uh, oh, shit is whatever that means for Bath. Yeah. Made, made it look like a real fucking test, though. <laughs> like, that was I mean, not an did. enjoyable watch. No, but, you know, a lot of those players, you know, especially given Glasgow's troubles with winning away this year, to win two away games on the bounce and one of them at the wreck is nothing to be sniffed at. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was nice to get the win, but fuck me, it was hard to watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was, that was exactly the same as the Ospreys game except without the win bit it was like fuck me it was hard to watch and we lost uh, speaking of which Neil Webber says good was Anthony Watson's magic feat uh, I mean yeah fair fucks he was like, class yeah he was, he was the best player on the field by some distance but that's what happens when your second choice fullback is a sort of two or three to a British and Irish line I guess yeah but, uh, it's a little bit better than Max Nagy yeah, a little bit better. <laughs> um, also, you know, both England qualified, but you know, I feel like their careers are in very different trajectories. <laughs> What's a slightly higher in the pecking order? Whether it's Borthwick, it's Jones, or it's Cockrell. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he's probably going to get the call first, isn't he? Um, John Horan says, "Good is the mind gym a gym for the mind?" If sales performance yesterday didn't go by, yes, we discussed this earlier. Sale are good in Europe. It doesn't make any sense. We don't like it. But we can't. We have no choice but to accept it. Uh, they're lifting Simon, their brain weights. They're lifting their brain weights, so it's getting much them like results. trains. They're better in Europe than they are around Greater Manchester. <laughs> hey, very good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe there is just something to be said for you know having a mind gym, a gym for the mind, and then stocking that mind gym with fuckloads of South Africans, though. <laughs> because yeah. <laughs> in the, the South Africans still lift real weights in the mind gym the gym for the mind they don't know any other way <laughs> they're just doing Sudoku at the same time yeah exactly <laughs> um, Simon Bug says good was uh, the tickets my mate got for Saracens yesterday and the way that Edinburgh played uh, and indeed the eventual result shit was how bastard cold it was indeed fair play to anyone who went to watch rugby yesterday particularly yesterday but at any point this weekend it was fucking cold Baltically so so if you sat on a terrace or in a seat or whatever for 80 minutes, all power to you and God bless whatever's left of your nether regions because you must be fucking freezing. Um, yeah, and then finally, uh, Stu Clark says also uh, on the Edinburgh theme, uh, good is Edinburgh stepping up to Saracens, but shit was Hoyland and Lang failing to score off that interception. Yes, indeed. Um, I still don't understand how it happens, but such is rugby and I look forward to seeing it in the Six Nations um, I don't <laughs> uh, any more for any more before we round this thing up no I think as I got all my positive stuff out the way in the, in the weekend so uh, absolutely I mean, that, uh, part of that I will say actually we, talking about, we didn't talk about Munster they look a very different outfit in Europe than they have in the league the last couple of months uh, yeah like, they lost, but it, I mean Toulouse, you know. Yeah. Like, they gave it a good old, uh, and, and Joey Carberry seems to like. Now that everyone's written Joey Carberry off, all of a sudden Joey Carberry's quite good again, which 
I think it's, it's, it's quite magical how that's happened. It's like everyone's finally given up on him being the next Messiah and now he's going to decide to be a bit messiah which is exactly the sort of thing a Messiah would do, isn't it, really? But, yeah. yeah. I've just, just remembered as well. Everyone's faith. Uh, I've, sorry, I've just remembered, speaking of the cold and everything, on mm. Saturday I had my match cancelled 20 minutes into the warm-up. Um <laughs> So, so I missed um, one of the, one two of the games live because I was meant to be playing, and then got twenty minutes into the warm, and the referee was like, "Yeah, there's, there's ice on the pitch. We're not playing." It's like, "Oh, great! Thanks for that." <laughs> Things that could have been delivered by text two hours yes. ago. <laughs> oh, the fun and games of fucking grassroots rugby. Eh? Not that I would know. I've foot in a rugby club, you know. But uh... <laughs> yeah, true. we um, we were supposed to to train the minis in the morning before yeah. the. The party yesterday, and um, we get the the sports hall gym for our little ones, uh, and everybody else was meant to be on the astroturf, uh, and then they turned up on Sunday morning, and the astroturf was frozen. So all fucking hundred and twenty children who were supposed to be at the Christmas party just decided they were going to all come into the sports hall gym, <laughs> and so they brought everybody in, and then like got a handful of us coaches together. And we're like, do something with those children for an hour, and we're going to get the party ready. <laughs> all right. so fucking serious. <laughs> if only Stuart Hogg was there to help you, eh? Exactly. Indeed. Santa was fucking useless. Didn't know anything. About <laughs> <him>. <laughs> Some would say neither does Stuart Hogg, but it wouldn't be me. Hey. Um, on that note, then, uh, gents, it's been a pleasure and a privilege as ever. Uh, thank Likewise. you for joining me and filling in. Yep, uh, thanks for having so, us. Thank thanks for having us. Yeah. Indeed. Thank you to all of you guys for listening uh, and doing all of your good stuff. Uh, my son is crying quite loudly now, so uh, that's probably a time to kind of round this up. Thanks for joining us. We will see you hopefully gone. with Lee fit in the ace. He's finished, to be honest. He was really enjoying it. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll have Lee back next week. Uh, but we will see you then for another exciting week of uh, sort of slightly underwhelming European Cup rugby. Bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.